Welcome to Alec Across the States. I'm your host, Dan Reynolds. We're recording this podcast on August 13th, and right now, parents and students are grappling and considering the realities of going back to school. That's going to be the focus of our conversation today on Across the States, and joining me to discuss this is the Vice President of Research and Innovation at EdChoice, Paul DePerna. Paul, thank you so much for Zooming in. It's great to be here with you, Dan. Thanks so much for inviting me to be on. Of course. So since March, EdChoice has been doing a bunch of different polls consistently around the realities of education and the different choices that parents and students want. On the podcast today, we're going to be discussing some of those polls. Also, their public opinion tracking database that is really built out and a great resource from EdChoice. And we'll go into some uh, details of some new findings from new polls from last week. So, Paul, tell us about some of these polls that you guys have been working on. Sure. Yeah. So again, thank you for having me on here, Dan. Um, so we launched our public opinion tracker with uh, Morning Consult back in January. And since March, we've been looking at parents' concerns around the coronavirus and COVID pandemic and how uh, folks are responding uh, to the pandemic. And so we release these results on a monthly basis. So we, d- we do this survey each month, usually in the middle of the month. And then we release the results a few weeks later. Usually it's the fir- in, the, in the first week of the month. So last week, we just published our July results. And, th- and just as a side note, this can all be found on our public opinion tracker website, which is edchoice.morningconsultintelligence.com. And what we found was that, you know, parents are, their concerns about coronavirus spiked from June to July. So as we were getting closer to back to school and reopenings, there definitely was an increase, a steep increase in parents' concerns about coronavirus and the pandemic where we saw their general concern jumped by 21 percentage points from 60% in June to Hmm. 81% in, in July. So there's some anxiety building up among parents uh, of school-age children. And then we also were looking at just how parents see the options or lack of options that their school districts might be providing them. And uh, one clear message was that parents would like at least two or more options provided to them. And so so they would like to have their uh, schools or school districts provide multiple learning options, whether it's in-person at the school or remote learning fully, or maybe something in between, some hybrid version. And so seven out of 10 parents expressed that they would want their uh, schools or districts to provide multiple learning options. And then another finding that on a question that we've been tracking over recent months is just if their if their district gave the option of remote learning or in person, uh, you know, what would they choose the remote learning option if it was available to them? Yeah. And there and there has been an increase in the proportion of parents who said that they would be at least somewhat likely to take that remote learning option. So we've seen that increase from June to July. And among those parents who said very likely, there was an eight-point increase from June to July. So plurality of 43% said that they were very likely to take that remote learning option. And so there seems to be a growing appetite for at least that remote learning possibility uh, if provided by their district. Yeah. That really sounds interesting. Very cool. You guys have been tracking it for so long. How can 
the various people who listen to across the states, you know, parents, policymakers, and state legislators, how can they use the EdChoice opinion tracking database to better inform their decisions as we are thinking about the next school year? So that's a really good question. So on our public opinion tracker website, we uh, have a capability so that the visitors, and, and I think this might be particularly interesting to your members, Dan, that they can drill down to the state level. And so they can uh, see where, where respondents from their state, you know, if I'm from Indiana. So I check, you know, every month I look and, you know, to just see where, how things are moving on the Indiana dashboard. And so that, that's something that we wanted to be a resource for folks who wanted to go, not just to see the national level results, but also to be able to dig deeper at the state level. And then there is a part, another page on the, on the site that's the resource downloads page. And there you can really uh, take a deep dive into the reports, which are all archived there. But then we also have cross tabs each month for the polling that we do. And you can really go into the different demographic results and, and looking at the comparisons, whether that's based on uh, political party identification, household income, race and ethnicity. Uh, whole, there's a whole uh, host of different variables that we uh, show the, the cross-tab results for. And so we hope that that can be uh, also of interest to take another, that's another frame to look at these results on uh, not just, not only the COVID-related questions, uh, which have grown uh, over the past several months, but then we also have a, a standard set of questions, which we've been asking for quite some time around school choice, uh, which is an issue that drives our organization. And so we uh, have been around now for more than 20 years, you know, advocating about giving families more options to uh, empower themselves and their children and, and believing that, you know, comp- bringing competition to the K-12 education sector is a good thing for everyone, regardless of whether your children are in public school or private school uh, and so forth. Thank you for that great answer to my question. So what we're seeing right now from a lot of policymakers, maybe superintendents or other various educational uh, officials across the states are a lot of decisions, right? They're saying, this is how we're going to do school. And that works for some parents and other parents. They're saying, no, it doesn't work for me. And other policymakers might say, well, this is how we're going to do it. And some parents might like that. And some parents might not like that. A great solvent for this situation, this reality that is always there, but becomes a bigger problem when we're dealing with something like COVID-19 is choice. Can you talk to our listeners a little bit about, you know, what ed choice stands for what education choice overall means for a parent? Sure. So we believe as part of our mission that, you know, we want to bring more educational freedom to children and families to empower them uh, and also to build a stronger society. And really it's fundamental as part of our mission as an organization. And it was uh, school choice is an idea that's been around for a long time and effectively put forward by our founder, Milton Friedman, uh, who is you know a legendary economist who effectively and very publicly advocated and made the case for school choice back in 1955, and he founded our organization along with his wife Rose back in 1996. And through the course of the last 24 years, 
we've seen this growth in school choice options at the state level in which that, that is an area of focus for us as an organization. So I, I, I come from the research side of EdChoice, but we also have uh, these other programs at EdChoice. And one is uh, our state advocacy, what we call focus state investments program. And then we also have a, tra- a training and outreach program, which has grown uh, in recent years, kind of coinciding with the interest, the growing interest in school choice at the state and local levels in really the past decade. Uh, things really started to take off uh, in terms of the number of programs being enacted in the states around 2011. And, uh, and then these programs have been growing in their participation by students. So we now have more than a half million students who are receiving either school vouchers, tax credit scholarships, or have education savings accounts. And so those are the three policy types that fit under the larger umbrella of, of school choice. And so we track those three types of policies and, and programs across the states. And then we also work very closely with organizations who advocate for charter schools, uh, homeschooling. And so in a very general sense, we support more options and more uh, opportunities uh, for children in the U.S. And we think that right now, the pandemic has really changed in some ways the landscape and the kind of the backdrop to some of these policy conversations. I mean, I think we're still in a, like a triage moment with schools yeah. and how they're reopening and such. I think there's going to be a point where we start having these longer term public conversations and even debates around how to effectively provide more flexibility and options for families. And so, and so we're doing the best we can to do research on these issues, particularly around the pandemic, and then also to do outreach to different uh, stakeholders and uh, particularly parents, educators, yeah. you know, and, and other advocates at the state level and to kind of prepare us for when these conversations really start to materialize. Yeah. Thank you for that uh, really awesome deep dive into education choice broadly, but then also the efforts and mission of uh, your organization, EdChoice. If you want to check out more of what they do, go ahead and go down to the show notes. We're going to have LinkedIn there, edchoice.org. Go ahead and click into that. You can check out their website. We are coming a little bit to the end of our segment today, Paul, but overarchingly, what we're seeing here from uh, some of the new findings are that parents want more choice when it comes to educational opportunities and how their students, how their children can be schooled. Can you double down a little bit on that for our listeners about the new findings? Sure. You know, so what we see, you know, along the the questions that we're tracking, you know, specific to school choice, and you, you can see the trend lines, uh, you know, that are displayed on, on the tracker. I mean, the, the the support for these different types of school choice policies, education savings accounts, we see support, particularly among parents in the, you know, in the 70s. And so, you know, three quarters of parents support education savings accounts, roughly the same uh, in the general public supports education savings accounts, which that is one, that is the one kind of innovation on school choice in the last 10 years that maybe speaks most directly to the moment we're in where ESAs are multi, the the distinguishing feature of that policy is that it's a multi-purpose choice policy. And so that there's essentially a bank account that is 
authorized and available to a family, and then they can use those funds for a range of different educational services and whether it's tuition for school or therapy. If you have a, a student with special needs, it can go towards therapies, it can go towards online curriculum and coursework. And in states like Arizona, you can save that money even uh, year to year and put towards for uh, save for college. So for ESAs, we see support. It'll be interesting to see the longer this pandemic goes and the more that this idea about the need for more flexibility, access, and options really hits home for families and parents, and maybe perhaps even takes more concrete meaning for them in a policy way, that ESA, it'll be interesting to see if you to track ESA support and to see if that even goes higher uh, in the coming months. But it's already at a high level right now and across many different demographics. It might surprise some of the listeners that even you know, among some, you know, different demographic groups, even broken along political party lines, uh, majority support is there for ESAs as a policy possibility. And there's been a bunch of research and also model policies developed at ALEC around education savings accounts and just educational choice and new opportunities writ large. We do have a scorecard on American education that we'll be sure to link in the show notes as well as some of our other major policies for our policy wonks and state legislators listening. But that does bring us to the end. I've been your host, Dan Reynolds of the ALEC Across the States podcast. I've been sitting down with Paul DePerna, who is the Vice President of Research and Innovation for EdChoice. Paul, thank you so much for all of your great deep dives into the data today. I'm sure our listeners loved it. Oh, thanks, Dan. I've really enjoyed it. And if you're interested in having your ideas featured on ALEC Across the States, do not hesitate to email us at acrossthestates@alec.org, And please do rate us wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us find some new listeners. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Across the States, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council, the premier free market organization of and for legislators. To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Alex States. The views and opinions expressed on Across the States are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council.